You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. We're talking about hope, the living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Hope is alive because Jesus is alive. We began this series uh, back in on Easter Sunday, and that's the whole basis for the hope that we have. And this hope is not just some sort of, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's be optimistic, let's be positive about this. It's not that kind of hope. It is a hope that is based on so- solid certainty that our God is faithful to his promises to us. And that's the whole foundation for this hope that we have, this living hope that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we're talking about this solid certainty that God keeps his promises to us. And, and we see that over and over and over again. And we see that, that hope is a very good thing to have. Hope is a noun, but this morning I want to talk about the fact that hope is also a verb. It is an action word. And we're going to see hope in action this morning through a pretty unlikely person that we find in Scripture. Uh, her name was Rahab. And we are first introduced to Rahab in Joshua chapter 2. I've got a lot of scripture I'm going to read to you this morning, but if you want to turn to Joshua chapter 2 and and read along with me, also the verses are going to be on the screen. I want to encourage you, uh, read this week if you've got the time, make the time to read Joshua chapter 1 through Joshua chapter 6 to give you a lot of the bigger picture of what's going on with this really wonderful, wonderful story. Uh, If you sort of are familiar with this story, you know that Joshua is now in charge of leading the children of Israel into the promised land. Moses has died and turned over his leadership uh, to, to Joshua. He's now in charge. And with both Rahab and with Joshua and the children of Israel, we will see how hope is to be activated, how it is to be uh, put into action. Now, at the beginning of Joshua 2, at this point, Joshua, he is thinking that this uh, taking of the promised land is going to be more of a military mission than a a miracle from God. But we're going to see him walk through this and, and how this particular person, Rahab, figures into all of this. So let's pick it up. Joshua chapter 2, verse 1. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies uh, from Shittim. And he says, go look over the land, he says, especially Jericho. So they went there and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and they stayed there. Now, you think, well, that's a weird place for people of God to go. Uh, But understand that... uh, just this culture, this pagan culture, uh, that, that a place for spies, uh, you know, a prostitute, a place of prostitution there at the gate was a place where there was a lot of activity, uh, people uh, going in and out of there. And so it was, a, it was a good place from a standpoint strategically as they're serving as spies to go in. And the king of Jericho was told that, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. And so the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab and said, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. And at dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and had hidden them under stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. Now, please, please know that remember that uh, Rahab was a product of her pagan culture, and it is never, ever justifiable to lie. 
But in this case, because of her pagan background, you can at least understand maybe the the thought process of here, but it's never justifiable to lie. And that's not what uh, the scripture is pointing out here. So the, the men sent out in pursuit of the spies on the road that led to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. But before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and she said to them, and this is a particularly pivotal. This is a woman, a product of culture, of pagan culture, uh, but she was someone who was spiritually astute, someone who was sensitive, and this is what she said to the spies. I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. The men assured her, our lives for your lives. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. And so she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. And she said, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, and then go on your way. And then the men had said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you have tied this red scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. And if any of you go outside your house and into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible." As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath that you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. And so she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. And when they left, they went into the hills and they stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. And then the two men started back and then went down out of the hills, forded the river, and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened. And they said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given us the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. We thank you for each of these individuals uh, that were real people that you moved in sovereignly in their lives and you acted in showing your grace and your mercy and your power. And Lord, we pray that you would do that in us and with us and in our land and in this time, God. We pray that you would do that. Come, Holy Spirit, awaken our hearts and our minds and our whole beings to to what you're calling us to, to do in living out the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And in his name we pray, amen. First, let's start with Rahab, okay? She had hope for divine rescue. She was a Gentile, she was a pagan, she was a prostitute, yet she had tremendous spiritual insight 
And she had, uh, uh, she was, she was obviously an intelligent woman. She was spiritually aware, uh, and she showed a remarkable knowledge of what God was doing for the Israelites as they approached her country. She was a woman of spiritual insight. She recognized that the pagan God that she and those around her served fell majorly short when compared to the God of Israel and what she was hearing and and all the reports of of how the God of Israel had delivered them from Egyptian captivity and how uh, through his power they had overcome all of these different lands uh, around. She understood and realized that this God was far superior to the God that she had been worshiping and the people uh, around her had been worshiping. And I want to say to us as we consider this, I want us to think about the world around us, uh, the world in which we live, the world that we find ourselves in, because the world that we live in, our country, even our own community, there are a lot of people just like Rahab who are without hope because of all they see around them, all the hopelessness that they see around them, whether it's, it's gun violence and those who disregard the preciousness of life. Uh, whether it's racism and injustice and the politicization of these things uh, and other problems in our country to make the divisions in our country even deeper and make us more divided. Uh, the, the little gods, the little G gods that our world looks to falls short, doesn't it? Over and over again, it falls short, yet we keep going back to these little G gods and expecting them to be able to to, to solve our problem. We think if we make yet another law, it'll change people's hearts. And and that's that we've seen that that's not the case. And we see that if we throw more money at a problem, we'll, we'll solve it. And we keep wanting to do these things without a moral basis, without any kind of lasting real truth. And, and, and that's the little G-gods that our world and our culture is serving. And, and we, we need to understand that our hope is in the goodness and in the love of our true and loving and giving and generous, kind God who is alive, who is real, whose power is, is among us, who is doing things around us, who is very real. And that is the, the big G-god that our world is looking for and desperately needs. And we see right here with Rahab that she is looking for that kind of of, of rescue. And I got to tell you, I live in the same world you live in. Uh, People around us are looking for that reality of a God. They don't want an empty God who who is far and distant, doesn't touch their lives and is not concerned with their lives. And that is not the kind of God that we serve, is it? He's a God who loves us, who cares for us, who is Emmanuel. He is with us. And so the kind of living God uh, was Rahab's hope for rescue then, and it's our hope uh, for rescue today and the world around us. Uh, Let's be people who are, are in touch with our living God, who are hearing his voice, who are praying, Holy Spirit, fill me, use me, lead me, guide me. Let me be an instrument of your love and kindness today and every day. So, so Rahab had uh, a hope for divine rescue, and there's that cry in the world around us as well. Rahab also had a hope for a restored identity. She had a hope for a restored identity. She was a prostitute. Now, when you hear the word prostitute, you know, you might have uh, the image of Julia Robertson, pretty woman, okay? Uh, Very fictitional, uh, very fictitious uh, idea of of prostitution. Or you may be much more realistic, and you see a a drug addict who is 
who is basically a prostitute just to get money to serve uh, his or her habit. And so you're, you're, you're looking at this and, 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 and the idea of, okay, what, what kind of image comes to, to mind when you think of the word prostitute? But in this pagan culture, uh, biblical historians tell us that it is likely that Rahab, the prostitute, was actually respected because prostitutes in this culture, in this age, were often priestesses of the Canaanite religion, and they participated in the worship, the pagan worship of the, the pagan fertility gods. But it also could have been that she was just a, a shrewd businesswoman, and it was completely a commercial thing. But either way, it's interesting that the, the leaders, they came and questioned Rahab, about the, the, you know, the rumors that there were uh, these men, spies from Israel, that when she told them, hey, they're not here, they believed her. They believed her. They, they took her at her word. So she had enough credibility in her community that they believed her when they came in question. But even though her society might have, might have said, Rahab, it's okay for you to be a prostitute. It's okay with us. It certainly wasn't God's best for her, was it? It wasn't God's best for her, and she knew it. God was inviting her to enter in the, the restored identity that he had for her, that he has for all of us. And that's another thing that, that we as a church who want to be a people of hope, a community of hope, that we are called to be. We are called to be people who are living out the identity that God has given us as his daughters, as his sons, that we live that out, that we know who we are and whose we are, and that we share that message with the world around us. Let's face it, our world, our country, our community has an identity crisis, doesn't it? Who are we? It, 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 it's, it's all contingent on what you know, culture says we are, or media says we are, or our, you know, our worst instinct says we are. We've exchanged our true identities as daughters and sons of God for, uh, to be slaves to a pagan mindset that says everything's okay, and it's not. And we know that. We know that, and the, our hurting hearts and our hungry hearts know that. This is not God's best for us, and it's something that, that we are painfully aware of, and we see the effects of it in the world around us. But just like God did for Rahab, God wants to restore our true identities as his daughters and as his sons. So it's like, okay, Reese, you left us hanging here in Joshua chapter 2. How does the story end? Let's move ahead to Joshua chapter 6. Now, when you read Joshua chapter 6, and if you read the spaces between chapters 2 and 6, you'll see that there's a lot of very specific instruction that God gives to Joshua uh, as the one who's going to be leading the children of Israel as they take the promised land. And there's, it's really more of like a, a worship uh, ceremony, a worship procession than a, than a military mission. And, and as you see that, uh, he's, they have marched around Jericho uh, for seven times uh, already. We're going to pick it up here in Joshua chapter 6 for the sake of time. Uh, please go back and read so you can get the full picture of background here. But we're going to pick it up in verse 20 of chapter 6. They've already marched around the city seven times, and it says, When the trumpets sounded, the army shouted. And these are things that Joshua had told them to do and had instructed them to do. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed so that everyone charged straight in and they took the city. 
They devoted the city to the Lord. They destroyed uh, and, and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep and donkeys. And Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house, bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. And so the young men who had done the spying went in. They brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, her sisters, all who belonged to her. And they brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. And then they burned the whole city, everything in it. They put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent in as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. She had found a new family. She had found a new family. Rahab's hope for divine rescue came about. Her hope for restored identity as a daughter of this true and living God came about. Along with that was hope for her redeemed destiny, a redeemed destiny that we find her living out. Rahab, a pagan Gentile prostitute, she's rescued, her true identity is restored, and she is given an amazing place in God's family and a place in the very story of God's own son, Jesus, coming to earth. Let's leave the Old Testament for a segment and fast forward to the New Testament, to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. I know that's one of those chapters that probably as you're beginning your reading in the Gospels, you often avoid because it's, what is it? It's just genealogy. It's a lot of names. So it's the genealogy of Jesus. Who begat, who begat, who begat, who begat, who? And it's like, how many of you skip that? How many of you skip that when you read it? Okay, don't do that because every one of those names represents a person and their story, their God story. Uh, and we see the really wonderful, cool thing happened here. Uh, I'm not going to read all of these for you. I've already read you a lot of scripture this morning. I'm not going to read all these names for you, but I got to read a few, all right? Matthew chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, because I want to show you the full circle of this wonderful story. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was who? Rahab. Uh, Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. Rahab, great-great-grandmother of King David. Wow, how did that happen? But by the grace of God, and then let's, let's fast forward to verse 16 in chapter 1. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Game changer, our God of hope. He changes the trajectory of our lives. He changes our destiny. And, and notice here, what I love, if you read, if you do a search, a scripture search on, on your Bible gateway or whatever app you're using, and you look up the name Rahab in scripture, Every single time you find Rahab's name uh, in, in Scripture, you find Rahab the prostitute, except one place, here, in God's story. In God's story, she is Rahab. She is Rahab, not Rahab the prostitute, because of the choice that she made to put her faith in the God of Israel. That got taken away, 
And in God's story, his divine story, the destiny that he had for Rahab, that gets removed and she is now Rahab. Isn't that awesome? That is an awesome reality for my life and for your life because God does the same thing for us when we enter into his story through Jesus Christ our Lord. When we place our faith in him, he does that. He takes away our past, and he gives us his preferred future. The stigma of her past is overshadowed and completely eliminated by the honor that God has given to Rahab, and he wants to do the same for all of us. But what did Rahab have to do? She had to act. She had to act. And the church also has to act in hope. We have to recognize that Hope is also a verb that requires action. And I want to quickly go through this right now. What does the the church need to do to live out this hope? Because that's what we're talking about. Jesus is our living hope, but he calls us also to, in his spirit, in the spirit of God, to live out this hope in our lives. What does it mean? It means that God calls us to his mission of hope. Rahab would have never experienced what she experienced in the freedom and the, 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 the relief and, and the rescue that she experienced if Joshua had not been obedient to follow what the Lord was telling him to do. And then when he sent his spies, if they had not gone in submission into that territory, into that land, because remember, as you read the whole story, you'll see that they are scared. They're very afraid They are very scared about this whole prospect, but they go in obedience. And in looking at the bigger picture, the whole idea of Joshua, Joshua uh, in the Hebrew and and, and Jesus in the Greek are are really the same word, Yeshua, the deliverer. He is sending, just as Joshua sent the spies into the promised land, Jesus sends us his church to go in his love and in his power and his spirit to go and carry out the mission that he has given us. God is calling us to go out. And if they had not gone out in obedience, Rahab would not have known rescue. She would not have known the the redemption that she got to experience and and her place in the family of God. Guys, it's the same in our world today. If we are not willing to go in obedience, if we're not willing to go in trust, to go and do the ministry of Jesus in the world around us, those around us are not going to be able to experience the hope that God has for them and for all of us. And it requires getting out of our comfort zones. It requires us going and, and, and maybe into places that we don't feel comfortable going into. But we're going, we're listening to the Holy Spirit, we're letting him lead us, and we're following him closely. And one of the things that it was very, very evident as you read here in Joshua chapter 2, what did Rahab speak specifically to the spies about? She's like, I have heard what your God's been doing. So what does that mean for us? Are you telling people around you what your God has been doing in your life and the life of others? How he's showing up, how he's healing, how he's answering prayers, how he's leading you, how he's guiding you, the little things that that God does, the big things that he does. Tell your God stories. Like, well, Reese, I don't, I'm not really deeply rich in theology and I don't have a lot of apologetics. Hey, I love good apologetics. I love good theology. But at the end of the day, I was blind and now I see works really, really well. 
Don't forget that. You've got a story to tell. You've got a story of how God is showing up in your life, leading you and guiding you and directing you that people around you who do not have hope, who are serving a a lifeless God, little g-God, they need to know, they need to hear, they need to know that our God is alive and he is at work. Keep telling your stories. Keep telling your stories. God will use them just as he used in the life of Rahab. So God calls us to, to embrace the mission that he has given us, to be his mission of hope. But he also calls us to express the hope of his kingdom with kindness, with faithfulness, and with integrity. And that's a big one today, guys. It's always been, it always will be. What do you think would have happened if these spies had said, you know what? Or Joshua had said, We've got this big undertaking. I know you told them that we would rescue them and, and save them, but you know, that's going to be a lot of work. We might have casualties that come as a result of that. Uh, let's just, you know, let's not, let's not take our time to do that. No, that is not the example that we need to be of God's kingdom. We need to be people of integrity that our yes is yes and that our no is no. Because I got to tell you, I read the same headlines, I see the same postings online that you do, and there are way too many examples in the body of Christ of churches and pastors and leaders not following, not being people of integrity and faithfulness and honor and truth. We got to stop that. And that's not just a pastor thing. It's not just a pastor thing. It's, uh, you know, I'm a Christian, I've got the ichthus on my car, and uh you know, but I, 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 I'm not living as someone who exemplifies Jesus. Uh, we we want to be people who are living with integrity. Our world is looking for, if you, if you remember that she said, you know, will you show me kindness as, as I have shown you kindness and faithfulness? And the, and the spy said, yes, we will do that. We will show you kindness and faithfulness. Let that be uh, our goal as well. It is the kindness of God that leads to repentance, all right? It's the kindness of God. It's about us just showing up. Um, and, and I had this epiphany, a personal epiphany a while back for myself. You know, I've always told my girls, and you've heard me preach as well, it is always good to do, you know, it's always right to do the right thing, and it is never right to do the wrong thing, and, and it's always wrong to do the wrong thing. And, but I, I've come to realize also that it's not just about doing the right thing, but it is about doing the right thing in the kindest way possible. It makes a difference because, you know, we can all be right and big jerks, right? I'm a good right jerk, yes. Praise God. I don't think that carries a whole lot of weight, and that's certainly not an attractive thing to the world around us. But when we show up, And we're people of integrity. We let our yes be yes and our no be no. We serve with love and kindness and humility. And we share our God stories. And people see the reality of God in our hearts and lives. People will notice. They will come and they will come to Jesus. And we can never forget, again, uh, it's the kindness of God expressed through people like you and me and simple acts, great acts. Ultimately, it's just being obedient to what God's leading us to do. And God calls us finally this morning to be an inclusive community of hope to lonely to a lonely and hopeless world. I mean, who'd have, who'd have thunk, you know? Who'd have thought it that even, and this was way before, 
This was hundreds of years before God sent the Apostle Paul to the Gentile world to preach the gospel, uh, to, to take the church to Gentile nations. This, this was long before that, but here God is giving us a glimpse. He is showing us that his salvation is for all people and people that we might be surprised by. God, you could include them? I included you, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. He includes us. God led the spies to Rahab, and the Holy Spirit will lead us to people that we might not expect to encounter. We might not think, oh, they, could, they would never be open to God. But she was open to God. She was looking. She was desirous. And, and God led the spies to her. He will do the same thing for us as we listen to him, as we press in, as we say, Lord, show me. Show me where you're working. You're working everywhere, but show me where you're working in the lives of those around me, people who are open to hearing uh, the good news that Jesus loves us. So this morning... Do you identify with Rahab? Maybe you're looking for divine rescue, for a restored identity, for a redeemed destiny. I just want to say God invites you to, 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 to hope as, an, as a verb, to act in hope. In faith and hope, Rahab put out her red cord. She put out that red cord uh, the same, she, she put it out. And, and, and in many ways, it was almost like a Passover experience for this Gentile woman, her own, uh, her own Passover experience, where the, the red represented the blood of the lamb that was over the doorpost of the children of Israel as they were awaiting uh, their, their release from, from slavery, from captivity in Egypt. And as they saw death pass over Egypt, they were protected, just as Rahab and her family was. And of course, ultimately, that, that red scarlet that was poured out the, 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 over her window, it was a sign, it was a foreshadowing of the blood of Jesus Christ shed for you and me that keeps us from living in the, the, the results and the repercussions of our own sin and brokenness and the sins of those who have sinned against us and the brokenness that we experience because of what others have done as well. It's, it's that same thing. The story of Rahab reveals God's willingness to use the less than perfect people like you, people like me, people like all of us. Everybody gets to play. There's a place in, in God's kingdom for all of us, and he invites us all in. And we have to remember that it is not our past that defines us unless we let it be. Rather, God gives us this amazing thing called choice. And through the choices that we make, particularly the choice to receive his love, to put our faith in him, in him alone, in Jesus as the forgiver of our sins and the leader of our lives, to trust him for our salvation and to, to invite the Holy Spirit to fill us, to heal us and transform us and lead us and guide us and empower us. It was Rahab's choice to follow uh, this God of Israel, rather than her past that defined her uh, for the time to come. And that's the same story that God has for us. He, he wants to rescue us. He wants to give us a new identity as his daughter, as his son. And he wants to just redeem our destiny and give us that destiny that he has purposed for every one of us that is life-giving, that is fulfilling. And so this morning, I also want to remind you as church, we are called to, to live out this thing called hope. 
And as we pray right now, I just want to ask you to stand, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, just take a a moment just to sort of quiet our hearts, because I believe that um, there may be things that the Holy Spirit is wanting to point to you and direct you to about maybe the, the mission of hope he's called you to. Maybe it's Maybe it's him leading you to someone that maybe you haven't thought about them being someone that would be open to the hope of God. Or maybe you've written them off, that there is uh, no good destiny that God has for them because of choices that they've made. But Rahab is a powerful reminder that no, God, he'll show up in all kinds of amazing ways. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you'd come. Come Holy Spirit. We ask that you'd come and that you'd fill us. That you would direct our thoughts, our hearts, all that we are. Lord, that you would show us and speak to us about our own hearts and our own lives, our own identity. Lord, where do we find our our identity? Is it in you, Lord? If if it's in the power structures of this world, Lord, we we confess that as sin and we, we ask your forgiveness. Lord, we place our trust in you, we place our hope in you, knowing that those who hope in you will never be put to shame will never be disappointed. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you for your blood shed for us. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. We thank you that you shed your blood for us and that your blood washes us clean and makes us whole. And we thank you, God, for that. Lord, we thank you for your love. We desire to be instruments of your love this day and every day, God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would awaken in each one of us the reality that we are not to despise the the day of small beginnings, that small deeds done with great love can truly change the world because that is who you are. You are love, and you are a great and awesome God. Come, Holy Spirit, bring your kingdom. Lord, we thank you for the story of Rahab. We thank you that she is a real, was a real person with a real life who participated in, in, in the, the story of bringing your son to, to earth. We thank you for that. We thank you for what you want to do in our lives. As we give ourselves to you, as we become part of your story, Lord, we say yes to whatever way you want to use us Whatever way you want to bring forth your kingdom, rule and reign in in us and through us, we say yes in Jesus' name.